Amen. You may be seated if you haven't been yet, and as you do that, turn with me to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. We find ourselves in Ephesians today, chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. The apostle writes this, so be careful to live your life wisely, not foolishly. Take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. Because of this, don't be ignorant, but understand the Lord's will. Don't Get drunk on wine, which produces depravity. Instead, be filled with the Spirit in the following way. Speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and make music to the Lord in your hearts. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's good to see you this morning as we continue to think about uh, the texts that are taking us through Ephesians. If you've been with us, we've got one more week in the book of Ephesians. But if we back up just a little bit, we are thinking about how the first three chapters of Ephesians tells us about the story that we find ourselves in. So hopefully, if you have a Bible with you this morning, if you turn back to chapter one, I hope that you've circled these three words, that you are adopted that we have been brought into this family of God and we have been ransomed out of our brokenness and sin and we have received an inheritance, an inheritance of the new creation. And, and then we looked at how in chapter two, it moves to this idea that the story that we are a part of is that God is tearing down in Christ all of these dividing walls that have broken creation. All of these walls are being torn down and so we are a part of this ministry of reconciliation. And then in chapter three, Paul prays that we would we would know in the deepest part of our being, we would know how wide and deep and broad and high is the love of God, that that would be so rooted deep within us that then we would live out of that love. So we are God's children. We are part of God's reconciling work. We, we are loved by God. And a couple of weeks ago, we made the transition to chapter four where it says, and now therefore, so therefore live Live in the body in unity, but not a unity that is sameness, not a unity that is uniform, but a unity that celebrates the diversity, the uniqueness, the weirdness that exists in this room, the oddness that, that God in his mercy has put us together, even though we are so different, the hand and the foot and the ear and the eye, all the parts of the body caring for each other, nourishing the body. Pastor Grant last week um, preached beautifully about how part of what we are to do then also is to take some stuff off. We are to take off all of our bitterness and wrath and anger and malice. We've got to set that aside because to be part of the story means there's just some things that cannot go with us into this new creation life and we have to put that aside and, and Grant shared with us so beautifully about that last week. By the way, come next week, because next week we finish this and we talk about what we have to put on. We can't just take everything off. We have to put some stuff on. I will just say as a sidelight, uh, if I have just a couple of beefs about our own tradition, it's that we've been pretty good about telling people what to take off in order to be part of this new creation. We haven't always been as good about saying, what should you put on? Um, what, what do we now clothe ourselves in? So come back next week and we'll talk about that. But in the middle of this, we get this text about, we've put aside that life, but now there begins to develop in us a kind of resonance, a kind of life. If I could borrow Pastor Grant's metaphor from the end of last week's message about the guitar. 
As beautiful as that is to be restored, if you're a guitar player, you know um, it's very important that you tune all six of those strings well. It only takes one really bad string. That is the worst feeling in the world, by the way, to get up and lead worship and go, Vroom, and there's this one string that's going, Vroom. it's awful, right? But then we have to be tuned in ways that resonate with the life of God in the world. It's fascinating to me that so much of this text this morning has to do actually with music. If you have your Bible still open, even go back a verse with me to verse 14. Everything that is revealed by the light is light. Therefore, it says, wake up, sleeper, get up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The reason why I'm singing that badly is because in whatever translation you have, it's either in italics or maybe even indented. Interpreters, scholars are convinced that Paul is quoting probably an early church poem or hymn taken from a couple of places in Isaiah, referencing a kind of song that the people gather together and say, come on, get up. There is a life that we are called to. So much of the land as we're filled with the Spirit, speak to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, sing, make music to the Lord. It's all this language of kind of harmony, of being a people who sing with gratitude, with thanksgiving. I'm thankful that in the last few years, um, we've recovered a hymn that's about, I think it's about 270 years old now, um, but it's become one of my favorite new old songs. Um, you may know the words too, I hope you do. Come now fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of God's redeeming love. Come thou fount of every blessing. I love this line. Tune, tune my heart to sing thy grace. The text this morning is essentially about, about wisdom. About what does it mean for our lives to be in harmony with the song of God? for our hearts to be attuned to the grace and to the purposes of God. The Old Testament text for this morning um, actually comes out of the book of 2 Kings. Uh, it was one of, my favorite, one of my favorite stories as a kid. If you were raised in the church in my era, do you remember felt boards, um, those felt board stories? They've been, uh, <laughs> they've been replaced by great technological advances, um, who knew? But one of my, probably my favorite children's story is the Old Testament text from today in me to think about Solomon, who in 2 Kings chapter 3, David dies and Solomon inherits the kingdom, which is fascinating, Bathsheba's son getting the kingdom. 
But Solomon, as he inherits the kingdom, realizes he is way in over his head. He is far too young for this responsibility that he has been given. God comes to him and says, um, and this is the part I think that captured my imagination as a kid. Solomon, out of loyalty to your father, I will give you anything you ask for. It's kind of the genie text in the scripture, right? I'll give you one wish and you don't get three more wishes, just one, one request and I will grant it to you. As the text implies, he could have asked for wealth or might or long life. But Solomon asked for for wisdom. Actually, the text says, give me a discerning set of bowels. Um, Give me a discerning heart, a discerning gut. Help me to be able to recognize in the complexities of what it means to lead this people and the complexities of life. Give me a heart that's, that's tuned to you. As you know, um, God's so impressed with this request, he gives him all the other stuff too. And I loved, oh man, I loved that story as a child. In fact, um, as a young, young person, I decided I would try to memorize the book of Proverbs. It, it was in part because I was fascinated with Solomon. It was in part because my parents decided to pay us a quarter for every verse we learned. And they're really short and you can learn a whole bunch in a hurry and bankrupt your parents. Uh, but I was fascinated by this idea of what does it mean to live in wisdom? Of course, as I got older and read more of the story, I realized there's actually a kind of grief in the story too. For in chapter three, Solomon asked for wisdom and we get a couple of stories about how he embodied that. But about chapter eight or so, the story takes a really bad turn. And Solomon, who seemed to be so wise, ends up being quite foolish and doing some things that actually begin to become oppressive, and by the end of Solomon's reign, the nation divides in two. But scholars think that in this reign of Solomon, that this was a time of relative prosperity and peace. And, um, and one of the things that is beautiful in a time of prosperity and peace, we prayed this morning, thank you, Chuck, for a couple of places that are experiencing unbelievable upheaval and chaos today. And here's what happens. There's so many problems when you're worried about your security, when you're worried about where your next meal is going to come from, where you're worried about where you're going to sleep tonight. You don't have time to think big thoughts. You don't have time to get philosophical. You certainly don't have time to create art and beauty. You just have to survive. One of the blessings of times of peace, and it seems that Solomon was in one of these times, reigning in this time where there was security for Israel, prosperity for Israel. And so it seems that Solomon became a kind of benefactor to say, hmm, you know who doesn't have a lot of money in our kingdom? Artists, musicians, philosophers. Maybe what we should do is we should finance them. We should give them spaces, let's say, oh, like at a university, to be able to think, come up with ideas. And and so it's very likely that Solomon gets so much credit for wisdom because he became a kind of benefactor to say to the wise people in Israel, go, dream, think. By the way, in the next few weeks, we'll actually go to the wisdom tradition. It's fascinating what the lectionary does. When we get out of these texts on wisdom, the epistle text will go to James, which is kind of the New Testament's version of wisdom. James starts this way. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, and he'll give it to you. But in the Old Testament text, it goes to the, goes to the wisdom tradition, and this is why this is kind of funny. I don't know if you'll think this is funny, but it's actually really funny. In two weeks, we'll be back in the sanctuary, in the new sanctuary, the renewed sanctuary. 
And we had already kind of made the decision that we would preach out of the Old Testament wisdom texts for the fall, which is going to be fun. But it also means that Sunday, that Sunday when we're in the Renewed Sanctuary, and by the way, it's a family Sunday, it is the one Sunday in the three years of the lectionary cycle that the text comes from Song of Solomon. Oh, Fifi. Uh, <laughs> so you're going to want to be there in two weeks to be in the Renewed Sanctuary and to see how the pastor does a high wire act on Family Sunday through the Song of Solomon and how that somehow relates to being in a new sanctuary. Be there. Um, anyway. But we get this amazing wisdom tradition. So here's the deal. In this wisdom tradition, in the Old Testament, the wisdom tradition tends to say this. We were created and God created with a certain kind of grain to the universe. And what has happened is we have gone against God's purposes. We've gone against the grain and that brings all sorts of splinters and brokenness in life. And so one of the things the Torah does, but also the wisdom tradition does, is say, how do we get our life realigned to that wisdom tradition? And I don't for us. Because we are still in a time, in, a, in lives where we often live foolishly, where we go against God's purposes and we find that our life erodes and falls apart. But the Old Testament says, how do we realign? How do we get in harmony with how God intended things to be? The New Testament wisdom tradition is just a little bit different. If you have your Bible open, I want to focus in these few minutes on, on verse 16. Take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. Take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. Frankly, it's a kind of odd verse. For you would think that a verse that says these are evil times would say to us, so be careful. Huddle up for protection. These are <laughs> evil times, right? Like, we, we should be on guard. But the text is actually saying these are evil times. So go, do some stuff. Take some opportunities. The word for time there, we've talked about this, I think, in the past, but there are two primary Greek words for time. One is the word chronos, from which we get the term chronology. Chronos is the kind of time we keep on our watches. Chronos is the time that I pay attention to, and the, the one thing I'm really looking forward to, to being out of this place is that there, there are clocks everywhere, and I, every Sunday, realize, oh, I have talked too long. The chronos has gone. The time has flown. We are going to be clockless in the renewed sanctuary. Um, so, anyway, that's Kronos. This is Kairos. Kairos is a time that doesn't mean like chronological time, but it means like an era, an epic, a, a moment. I, I'm convinced that someday we'll look back and we'll think about this period of, uh, of COVID and we'll think about the time, right? The time of COVID. Um, many of us think of decades or the years when we were adolescents as our era. So like I oftentimes say to you, I'm a child of the Kairos of the 80s, which means my music and my fashion is impeccable. Um, <laughs> the Kairos. Years ago, a young woman came uh, to see me in my office when I was at Pasadena. And she had the Greek word kairos written on a piece of paper. And she came to me and she said, Pastor, I, I just, this is really quick. I just wanted to know, does this look okay? 
And I said, yeah, it looks good. I might put an accent right here, but yeah, that looks great. Kairos, great. What are you doing? She goes, oh, I'm getting a tattoo. And I said, oh, man, this is my first tattoo consultation. I felt really good about that. Um, but I said, what in the world? Like, why, why that word? She goes, oh, I'm getting baptized this Sunday. And she goes, I realize that when I get baptized, I'm putting to death my time. I've been, I've been living my whole life on, on my Kairos. But I'm going to put to that to death and come to this whole new life in the Kairos of God. And so I'm going to get a tattoo to remind myself, oh yeah, I'm on God's Kairos now. I thought it was pretty cool. I thought about getting it too, but um, haven't yet. But the Kairos of God. So in the New Testament, wisdom doesn't look like recovering the old as much as it looks like this. The new creation has come and has broken in. And a new Kairos has invaded the old Kairos, but now we're kind of stuck between Kairoi. We're stuck between these two Kairoses. We're stuck between these two eras, these two times, the already and the not yet. And so many scholars think what this text is saying and the oddness of its grammar is this. Yes, we are in an old Kairos, but as Ephesians has said again and again, we are now children of light, children of the new Kairos, children of this time, and there are opportunities that are breaking in. And so this isn't just a verse that says, hey, you won't live forever, which you won't, and so don't waste time. Don't. But it's more a text that says, hey, don't just get attached to the old way of doing things. But it's a text that's saying the old, evil, broken way of doing things is passing away, so don't let that shape you, but instead be shaped by this new Kairos and grab a hold of those opportunities. Are you with me? So to be wise is not just to rediscover the way we were created, but to be wise is to live one's life in alignment, as we'll see next week, putting on the life of the new creation and living into that. It's powerful. It's a beautiful image of tuning our hearts to the newness of God. As we think about that, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, the opportunities I feel like God has given to us. Some of this is because the uniqueness of this church is we're so shaped by the rhythms of the academic year that it feels like even though we're in August, it feels like there's a new year coming. In part because of our transition in the sanctuary, but in part because school year starting, students will show up, all that kind of stuff. Faculty members who are part of the church will stop vacationing and get back home. But as we think about that, I do want to say thank you, first of all, for the ways that you have leaned into and helped us in wisdom to navigate these last several months. It, it has been difficult. It continues to be. It's not over. But thank you for the ways that you have leaned into what I would call godly wisdom. And, and I know how we respond to this time of COVID has been very divisive for many churches. And I, I won't act like it hasn't been a bit divisive for us. It has been. but I love how the majority of people have lived into a kind of what I would call a kind of godly wisdom that recognizes we live as people by faith, but we also live as people who are not constantly putting God to the test. And part of 
wisdom recognizes there is a grain to the universe. Um, <laughs> I think often about the temptation stories of Jesus where the devil says, hey, throw yourself off the temple. He'll grab you. He'll be awesome. You'll get all sorts of attention when you do that. And Jesus looks at him like, what? No. Not even Jesus is going to put the Lord to the test in those kinds of ways. Gravity works. Um, and somehow wisdom is, is trying to discern what does it mean for us to love our neighbor, to care for each other. And, and thank you for the way that so, so many, if not most of you, have, have helped us try to do that in ways that embody, I think, the wisdom of God. And we will probably have to continue to do that and, and prayerfully um, kind of figure out how do we respond. But we are not a people, thanks be to God. We are not a tradition that, that is against science. We are a people who are convinced in the grains of the universe that truth is God's truth. And I'm thankful for so many of you who've given yourself to disciplines of science and research and have helped us and, and, and helped to guide us in this time. But in this time of trying to navigate that, it's also been a time of new opportunity. Uh, I am excited about, in a couple of weeks, getting to move back into uh, the renewed sanctuary, and it, it's going to be fun. Um, and I feel like in the providence of God, this has been really great timing. I, I'm so thankful for Pastor Todd, that God brought Todd along right when we needed somebody to help us oversee that project, and Rich and Ryan and others have been so helpful in that. Even in God's providence, uh, interest rates are low. We're able to do this in ways that actually our, our monthly payments and those kinds of things will actually be less than they were when we got into this. There's a few more months added on, but hey, you know. Uh, but it just feels like God has been involved in that. And, uh, and we're coming in on time and on budget, which between you and me, there was an office pool, um, and most of the people were on the other side of that. Um, but we're, we're coming in in ways that just really feel blessed. But it's more than just a kind of sense of that building. There's so many people who've joined us over this last year um, in a time that can feel like loss. This has been a time where so many of you, you haven't even worshiped in that building yet. This has been the only building you've known as you've joined us. And so thanks for your patience. But it feels like there's such newness that God is doing in our midst. Um, I sped over here from Middleton. Actually, I, I, I followed the speed limit. But I, I thank you for your openness to what God is doing in Middleton. For those of you who aren't familiar with the new creation community in Middleton. We, uh, a few years ago, we were praying about, um, Deb was doing a long-term sub position um, at a school not very far from Costco, from kind of that area where lots of homes are going in. And the district, rightly, um, Pastor Scott, our district superintendent, has been really anxious about how do we meet this time of explosive growth in the valley. And so we were praying about, maybe this is the time, maybe we start an extension um, in that school. And we had met with the principal. We had all the details worked out. And then we took it to the district and the district said no. And I have to tell you, I was so heartbroken. I was just like devastated. Oh, we've done all this work and the answer is no. Now looking back, I'm grateful that answer was no. Um, I can't imagine what the last couple of years would have been like trying to navigate all the complexities that school is going through with us. 
But out of that then came this call that said, hey, um, Scott called me and said, hey, we really are at a place where we need to reimagine what's going on in Middleton. It's just a few more miles out there. And again, it's been challenging, but man, the, the folks there have leaned in and this kind of merger between us and them has been, just feels blessed and it feels like God has led us to Chelsea. In a couple of weeks, I'll introduce you uh, to Aaron and Karen Hancock who have joined us just this week as kind of associate help out there. Aaron is a recent graduate from Mid-America um, who's pursuing ordination and they, they and some other young families have started attending out there and um, are leaning into that. We're so grateful for that opportunity. Uh, we hope to start Celebrate Recovery and MOPS this fall out there. And, and we even got into that thinking, well, we'll just be in this building for a little while because it's in kind of awkward space. And in the last year, that whole area has been rezoned and there are going to be hundreds of homes built across the street from where the church is now. Now, you're not excited about that, but you should be like, that's awesome. And, and I would love for some of you to pray about um, participating in some of those ministries that we might start out there or or even maybe giving the next four or five, six months to come and help us uh, just give some energy and life to that congregation. Be excited about that. Um, many of you this morning are joined with us online. The district is helping us with our Middleton project, but it's also helping us kind of dream about what new creation community online looks like. And, uh, and so we, we made a realization a few weeks ago that um, every Sunday that we, on the first Sunday of the month when we have communion, uh, the numbers of people who are with us live, as soon as we go to communion, they just kind of go like that and just kind of drop off, which I understand. They don't have anything in front of them. And so out of that came conversations like, we should create, we should send them elements, which if you know, we have Brent around, so we have to bless them. There's all sorts of things that are going to go into the consecrating of those elements, right, Brent? We're going to consecrate those elements, but we decide we could have new creation care packages that go out every month. And one of the exciting things about our online ministry has not just been people, and I have to tell you, I get a letter almost every week from somebody out around, not just in the United States, but also globally, people who feel, for whatever reason, either isolated from a community where they can't attend church regularly, who've connected with us online, who send me an email thanking me for the opportunity to connect during this time period. But it's not just them. I am so thankful for the ways we have so many people in our community who are caring for a loved one who they can't come with regularly or people who can no longer get out of the house on a regular basis who now feel so much more connected than they used to because of this opportunity that has been opened up, right? And so we want to take like care packages that not only have communion elements but some other kind of connections and giftedness. Don't take that to people locally. Take that to folks. Send those to folks everywhere. Uh, we have dreams that we're, we're going to start some small groups, so listen up. In October and November, uh, we're going to encourage all of you to try to participate in a small group for about six weeks. There are going to be three ways to do that. You can do that in person locally. But I've been talking to some friends in Seattle and California and Texas and Arizona and other places, um, even some global places, about starting in-person groups where they are at and helping us resource them to lead those in their homes. But we'll also have opportunity for people who are online to connect online only. Again, you're not excited about this. Is it cool? Just those doors. I have no idea where that's going to go, but, um, but it feels like an open door that God has given to us. Can I share just a couple other things with you? Because I, I get excited. My, the staff teases me. I, I have to tell you, I'm a verbal processor. 
which means I don't know if this is going to happen, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> but we, we've been dreaming recently about buying a, like a food truck or food trailer and having new creation coffee. And what we want to do, this is so cool, we want to drive it around and it would be kind of a donations only kind of coffee truck. And by the way, the text says, don't be filled with wine, but it doesn't say anything about legal stimulants being distributed through the community. And so we have this dream about like, it would be so cool to go to Middleton a couple of days a week and be somewhere in the community blessing people. We've been thinking about, especially we wish we had it now so that as schools started, we could go to different schools and just be a blessing to teachers as they come. We'd love to be connected here at the university a day a week or so. And then we've even been thinking about bless their hearts today um, with all they're going through today. But Pastor Ryan and Ashley, over these last couple of years, as you know, as we've been going through all of this racial tension, um, so much has been put on them and leadership in the church and locally. And they've gotten involved in a group called Brown Like Me. And what they've discovered is this whole community of people in our valley who feel disconnected from churches and exiled from the ways that churches have dealt with the issue of race, either poorly or with challenges. And so they have a dream about like creating new creation community, the bridge that would be an opportunity for folks of color to find a place of welcome and, and embrace and conversation about what does that mean to live faithfully. And we, we have dreams about taking students and doing something, a Boise State and kind of a student outreach, I don't know, Boise State. Like we're out of control, people. <laughs> it's out of control. But I say that to say to you, as we try to get in harmony and discern the broken moment that we're in, we're also trying to discern what are the ways the new creation breaks in? And what are the opportunities and open doors that God gives us, not just us as a community, but you day by day to enter in and to participate and to be in harmony with the new thing God is doing all around us. So get excited about that. Um, one last thought. If you have your Bible open, go, go to verse 21. So I have a little bit of a beef with the lectionary today, and that is that it quit at verse 20. And if you have the Common English Bible, verse 20 ends with a semicolon, and you should not end the text with a semicolon. But verse 20 says, Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's verse 21, and submit to each other out of respect for Christ. Now we'll go on to talk about what that kind of looks like in our homes and lives. And, but part of being in harmony with God is to be in harmony with each other. And so let me say this as directly as I can. All of these open doors and opportunities that I feel like we're trying to discern together Please hear me, this is not this is not an attempt for me to do something personally or for even us as a community to kind of build a brand that we are expanding in the community. For there's real danger in that. Part of the reason I have been continuing to invite people to preach with me 
is one, because there's just way too many gifted preachers in our community to hog the pulpit. But also there is a need for us to not be built solely on one or two or even three individuals' giftedness. To be accountable to each other. And I even want to invite you to discern with me what God is doing in our community at this time. And this is not even an attempt to say, we're in this alone. For thanks be to God, brothers and sisters in Christ, churches all around us are leaning into what is God doing? What are the opportunities for all of us as the body of Christ to enter into God's work of redemption and reconciliation in the world? I was talking with a friend this week uh, who has his degree in psychology and specializes in pastoral health and um, in church health. And I was asking him, Chris, you know, what makes a healthy pastor? What, what makes a healthy church? He said, you know, Scott, one of the things we're finding in the research now that is a really important distinguishing factor is he said, unhealthy pastors and unhealthy churches think they're in this on their own. And they, if they don't do this, it's never going to get done. And the problem when you do that is you begin to think, this is all about me. It depends upon me. It's a good way to burn out and it's a good way to become a problem. Um, he said the healthiest churches and healthiest pastors realize God is at work in the world. And our call isn't to create God's work. Our call is to respond to the opportunities God has given us because the days are broken. But a new creation is breaking in. And the call that God has given to us in these days is to tune our hearts to God's purposes and to attune our hearts to the opportunities God has given. And when we do that, we'll sing songs of praise and gratitude because of the immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine that Christ is doing in and through us. So come, thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it, mount of God's redeeming love. And be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art, thou my best thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, my presence, my life. This is our prayer today.
I pray um, for some who are here today, some who are connected online, some who will listen to a podcast down the road. Who are listening today and um, they are a ball of splinters running against the grain of who you've created them to be, running against the grain of what you're calling them to become. I pray for them that maybe this moment, this day, this time, this place, like the prodigal waking up in the pig, pig pen would be a moment of saying, um, I am done running against the purposes of God. And that this would be a moment of surrendering to your purposes, of, of giving you lordship, leadership of their life. I, I do thank you, God, for uh, this community that we call College Church for ways that you have led this church in the past. I do thank you for ways that you have, have led us, and I, I'm sure not perfectly, but you have led us through really difficult months, and, and there may still be difficult months out ahead. But we have prayed James's prayer over and over again that you would give us wisdom to know how to serve you faithfully, but also to love our neighbor well. So continue to help us do that. But in this moment, in this broken Kairos, may we recognize a new creation is coming and has come. And it's opening up opportunities for us to sing, to celebrate, to have gratitude, to invite others to tune our hearts to sing your grace. And so help us. Thank you for this summer over here and for NNU's hospitality. And in a couple of weeks, as we get ready to move back in the sanctuary, I, I pray it wouldn't just be new seats and paint and sound, but, but there would be a sense in us that there, there's something you're doing in us that is more than bricks and mortar, but it is spirit, transformation, new creation. Thanks for the chance that we have with Middleton. Thanks uh, for folks who are online with us today and regularly for new opportunities. Lead us and guide us, we pray. Tune our hearts to you. Be our vision. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with